My name is Matt Brown. And have both said that there's benefits to be right, had. Well, the president the of the United States is fucking lying. And let's start the show. Sacrifice for you, dedicate my life to you. I will go where you lead, always there in time of need. And when I lose my will, you'll be there to push me up the hill. There's no, no looking back for us. We got love, sure enough, that's enough. You're all, all that I need. I'm not crying, you're crying. Happening, everybody. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Friday, March 25th, 2022, and we have an incredible show regarding this year's Academy Awards for you. Before we talk about all things Oscars and talking about the great thing in life known as the movies, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdComoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So yes, Oscars, talking all things Oscars with the great Chris Bailey today. Good friend of the show and excited to see that he is returning. But um, yeah, it was a crazy couple of days. So this show is being released on Friday, technically very late Thursday night. But this show is coming out on Friday, the 25th, because I had to go home for uh for something urgent basically my car is rumbling riding the brakes thought it wasn't good i just wanted to uh go home really quick having been home my brother tommy's home from college on spring break be a nice time to um go from jersey city back to norwalk connecticut to see the family relax i got a workout in my home gym it was really good seeing the crew out there, and I figured, you know, I'll take my stuff. I had a lot of traveling and a lot of arrangements, so I couldn't record on Wednesday night, but we did on Thursday night, and it was quite the success, and I'm very happy how it all went down. It was great back being back in my original studio, the studio of the Productive Conversations podcast home, my parent basement now it was really great seeing my posters feeling comfortable and uh you know it, it, i was uh, in my place so it was great to come back and record a show and i'm very happy very happy how it went 
And before I present that to all of you, just some other things that have taken place within the world. I mean, with sports, you have spring training games going on as per usual at this time of the year. It's great to see that back. The NFL keeps having more and more significant moves. This time, as we're recording this show on Thursday at about noon, uh, we have Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins in a trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are giving the Chiefs a bunch of picks. And after they traded him, Tyreek Hill gets re-signed and an extension. And with that, now he's the highest paid receiver in the NFL. I mean, he has a Super Bowl ring. He's from Florida. With the exception of his dark past and some allegations that were sent against him that I believe were ultimately exonerated, correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy really has some bad stuff in his past. But besides that, he is ultimately the highest paid receiver in the NFL right now. It just shows that if you can help bring a fan base, many memories, wins, and championships, uh, they don't care who's on the field. And we can debate all day whether that's morally right or wrong, but for now, it's apparent Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins to join Jalen Waddle, Mike Gisecki, and all those guys. And it should be an effective offense with the offensive guru and the new coach in Mike McDaniel, who is joining the Dolphins this year as a first-time head coach. It's going to be interesting to see how the AFC East plays out. But that's going to happen in the fall, and we're going to focus right now on the spring what happens in the spring is Oscar season. Usually, Oscar season is just about to be closed for good. You know, the Golden Globes have taken place, the BAFTAs, the Producer Guilds of America Awards, Critics' Choice, you know, all that stuff. The Razzies are this weekend. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with award season becomes... Uh, time for people to talk about the best movies of the year obviously and that's what brings us here today for our second annual oscar preview and then we're gonna have a reaction to the oscars for our tuesday show and this was a year where theaters were at first not allowing people in because of the ongoing pandemic and then slowly audiences started coming back and back and back and now we're seeing some huge box office numbers again I mean, that Batman came out, uh, what, three weeks ago, and that's grossed over $500 million worldwide. So I think it's safe to say that the theaters are back in business, even with deals with certain streamers they have, Warner Brothers and HBO Max. They could release a movie 45 days after its initial release, or Disney and 20th Century and what they do with the... um, in how they handle releasing their movies out to the public. But bottom line is, the movie is here to entertain us and inspire us. Even in a ceremony where you might see people be very pretentious, you might see a lot of woke speeches, you might see, um, you know, people being, you know, inauthentic or authentic, however you want to say it, but... Regardless of how the Oscars have transformed over the years and ratings have gone down, I I still think the Oscars is 
a wonderful time to reward a lot of hardworking people. And as somebody who has experience in production, it is very nice to see that people who grind it out are getting recognized for it. And sure, people want to say, oh, this is just a way for Hollywood to pat itself on the back. Well, I think you're still watching the movies for a reason and you're still being entertained, informed and inspired by it. Might as well embrace it. And, you know, people turn to artists during the pandemic for a reason. So might as well notate and, you know, give accolades and praise to those who deserve it. And that's what brings us here today. This year's Oscar preview podcast chris bailey who's been on the show with me he's gonna talk all the movies with me i've seen all the best picture nominees i have my likes and dislikes my praises and criticisms and you know a lot of other movies sprinkled in throughout the year that uh, i hope to see get recognized and you know me i'll watch any movie in any genre no matter what year was released in any language and whether it's live action or animated or documentary or docu-series i love motion pictures people know i'm a film buff people know that is one thing that is simply a part of me and i'm also bringing on somebody who might have an oscar statue of his own someday in the acting category so excited to have Chris Bailey on the show again to talk all things Oscars. He's an actor, a working actor in New York City, and he's just such a perky, contagious, and wholesome person that I'm about to talk all things Oscars with him. So why don't we get into that right now? We could talk about Oscar nominees such as Coda, West Side Story, Belfast, Coming to America, Encanto, uh, Don't Look Up. The list goes on and on and on. And let us show you how damn good we are at predicting Oscar winners. Chris Bailey, it's your turn once again. Let's talk about these Academy Awards. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. It's Hollywood's favorite night. It's every film buffs uh, Super Bowl. It is very, it's a very euphoric day. It's a day where regular folks become legends and talented people show off uh, the great thing they work. Whether you're an actor, director, cinematographer, costume designer, makeup artist, in the whole realm, we spend one night to uh, celebrate the great the great things about movies across the world. And I need to have a great expert with me <laughs> to discuss the 2022 Oscars, the 94th annual Academy Awards. And we have a talented actor, musician, video game enthusiast, and all around great gentleman. Chris Bailey has joined me again on this show to talk all things Oscars. Chris, so happy to see you, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm 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 very happy uh, to be asked to come back um, to uh, to talk about something that I'm I'm really passionate about. Um, well, we're happy to have you. I genuinely enjoy looking at your reviews, and feel free to follow Chris to see those reviews throughout the whole year. And what's that Instagram? Uh, that Instagram is uh, Chris B C H R I S B one one two nine. All right. So, yes, 
as I said, Chris, you're a very talented individual, so we're so glad to have you. And as I said in my intro, there's no reason why I don't think one day you can hold one of these statues yourself. <laughs> I really genuinely believe that. And I figure for now, as we, you know, reflect on this year of movies, both the good and the bad, in a time where the beginning of the year, people weren't able to get in the theaters because of the pandemic. And a year later, we are starting to see movies break box office records again. So I just wanted to say, what was the year for movies for you before we get into the uh, nominated ones for Oscars? Uh, so like basically just my experience. like Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you think um, between now and last year, do you think you got to take in a lot of the best work out there, not only in America, but throughout the entire world. Do you feel like it was a good year for movies in general? Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, to talk about a little bit, just of like my return, I guess, to going to the movie theaters. I I'm a very, very avid movie theater goer. It's like one Mm -hmm. of my favorite things to do. I feel very at peace at at, at a theater. Tell me about it. Whether it's with friends or, um, or just even by myself. Um, so I would say obviously 2020 rough for everybody and movie theaters were basically closed. And I mean, Mm. that continued into 2021. I'm pretty sure for a while, I, I can't be for certain if it was my movie back, but I think quiet place too. And I think it may have been quiet place too, because that was the first review I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that may have been my return to, to AMC. Um, All right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was nice to come back. I was I was excited at the prospect of uh, of a good year, and I I, I think we got a, a very good year, um, at least from what I saw. Whether it was the Oscar nominated uh, movies we're we're about to talk about, or even just ones that weren't nominated, I think overall there was a lot of original stories. Um, mm-hmm. We we got uh, we got our fair share of sort of smaller indie intimate uh, films. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we got our, you know, Spider-Man No Way Homes. Yes. Our, um, our bigger sort of blockbusters. The Eternals uh, and all that. Yeah, I know Marvel, you know, usually that that's usually, you know, Marvel's thing. And I feel like, I mean, I've seen a lot of speculation about it. And I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but people are speculating that like these Marvel movies are what they're, what sorry, they're uh, sort of keeping theaters alive a little mm-hmm. bit, in, in a sense, because um, as much as some people want to rag on them, um, they get people in the seats and they get people paying for tickets to come and see it live and in person. Um so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful if, if that's the case. Um, I, and I also enjoy those films. Um, but yeah, we got, I think we got a really nice blend of very diverse stories, uh, this year. Yeah. And I feel like for me too, I really, <clears throat> especially within 2020 and 2021 that I really learned how valuable a good movie and story is and now for the rest of my life it's it was starting to go that direction when the pandemic started then pretty much this year is like yeah 
you can have me watch any movie in any genre, any time period it came out, black and white, animated, documentary, foreign language, all of that. And I think what was also good about the movie theater coming back, whether you went for a Marvel movie, that was my first. I actually didn't return to the theater officially. I did. Ironically, it was um, for Anthony Bourdain's doc, which could be this enough. Um, That was the first movie I went back to the theater. And then then I didn't go back for another like five months. And then uh, No Way Home was the first movie I actually came back to the theater. And I was able to watch most of these movies or I watched all the best pictures and a lot of other scattered films that were interesting through streaming services and some I just rented. And I think yeah. that's really cool, a really cool option. Now I prefer the theater, but you know, also moved this year as I was talking to you about and still, yeah. to be honest, I don't even know my go-to theater yet. We're in Jersey city, but, um, but in general, it's just great to have the movie theater back. Cause it shows that, it, it's fair. I think it's fair to say, with some exceptions, we're over the hump with the pandemic while still being cautious and cautiously optimistic. But I think this was a great sign that society's on the right track to coming back. And it also just shows the movies won't die. I think there was a good topic of discussion last year that our theater, movie theater is going to be around. And I didn't necessarily believe that but you know make, people made good points but now when uh when mandates were being lifted people went to the movies and yeah. that's what's great from here on out and now that we do have so many streaming services it's great just to have so many options is both the good and the bad that's yeah, the, i think that's really one thing that i really learned to take in this year is a good bad movie as well i could oh, watch yeah. I could watch unless it's now with bad quality wise doesn't mean I dislike it, but you really do need to watch everything to, you know, yeah. what is good and not. I think that's what's really cool that I got out of this year watching movies. Even a good, bad movie, you know, you, you can recognize its flaws, <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's hard to like, you know, be truly harsh on it because even if it's bad, but it like brings you some sort of joy. And yeah, then like, honestly, like that's like, I feel like that's a win for, for, for the film and for the creative team. Like, even if, Mm -hmm. even if it's like uh, to just to quickly jump back to like the, the review, the small reviews that I do, like stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness or whatever. And there are times where I'll discuss cons in the reviews because I think, you know, um, you know, each every movie has flaws. No movie is perfect, but um, it's uh, I have a hard time truly like bagging on a film because a lot of them, even if they're not the best film, have something to offer. And, um, you know, if I were to get super into like writing like some sort of blog or whatever, then I could get maybe more into, you know, the negatives. But I like focusing on like what the movie gave to me uh, in a positive way. I totally agree. And, you know, also being in the industry, both of those are experiences. That's also some jobs for some people. Yeah. It, um, 
I've never necessarily been on a film that got just totally panned, but I feel that like, well, you know, that did pay for my, <laughs> my bills and stuff, but yeah. I think it's, it's just fair to point out the good and the bad, because that's just yeah. what it's kind of weird saying that's what makes the movie human. But I mean, it really does. That's, that's what, you know, just helps us, helps us understand what, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And like, I said a bad movie doesn't necessarily mean you dislike it. Yeah. And I mean, there are definitely some that I've seen that I wish I had my time back, but that's very rare. Like you said, there's something to get out of everything. You you could watch the room with Tommy Wiseau and still appreciate, well, this is the passion and passion project. It shows you could do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So really the the room is a, is a, one of the, you know, greatest bad movies ever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when I saw someone when he mixed vodka and scotch together for a drink, I knew, yeah, this is built different. <laughs> yeah, this is not your average uh, romance. <laughs> well, having said all that and getting ready for what we're about to do, this Sunday is, like I said, the 94th annual Academy Awards mm-hmm. where we've had movies that, like you said, featured so many different communities. Um, you know, if we're focusing on the best pictures, that'll be the first thing we talk about is we're going to predict the nominations and we're going to see how accurate we are. But, you know, the best pictures have themes like whether you have the deaf community featured or the LGBTQI plus community, or you have a thriller set in the thirties or a remake of a relevant musical. Mm-hmm. Um, has, if you somehow made a relationship between a uh, photographer and a high schooler somehow make a little sense, it's uh, all over the place. Yeah. And that's, what's awesome. And like I said, it's so easy to access these movies now for a fair affordable price, some easier than others. But I think this was a great year for movies. And why don't we get into it right now with our predictions, Mr. Bailey? So why don't we first focus on the Best Picture nominations? There are 10 of these this year. Uh Um, When you look at this list, what do you think of the movies as a whole before we pick where we see um, the votes going? Um. Uh, sort of kind of what I said before, I, I, looking at the lists, the, the first thing that pops to mind is just the very diverse um, group of stories we have here and um, how some are, you know, we, we have, a, we have a, a nice mixture of, I mean, I would say mo- the majority of these are lean more towards the drama category. Right. Um, but, um, but when it comes to the subject matter, um, I think we, we they're bouncing all over the place and I really, um, enjoy that. Um, we have very intimate stories and then we have, uh, stories that involve sort of, um, a bit more, production and, mm-hmm. and, and, and costume a, a bit more attention into some elements that need to be bigger because of sort of the, the landscape 
of of each film. Um, I mean, it's exciting. I I won't lie. I I missed a couple of them. Uh, I can comment on the majority of them, and even the ones that I did miss, I sort of have basic knowledge on what kind of stories they are and mm-hmm. um, how I think they would sort of fare up against the competition that they're up against. Excellent. Yeah. Like I said, we're not exactly here to be Harvard scholar, pretentious film <laughs> yeah. critics. We're not Cisco and Eberts. We're just nah. two dudes who just love movies. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I see that here. And um like I said, you know what you're talking about when watching a movie with your great reviews you put out there. So I'm really excited to see how you think this all fares together. So focusing on the Best Picture nominations. Yes. May I ask, Chris, out of these nine pictures or ten pictures, who do you think is going to take it? Who do you think created – who is winning the Best Picture? Who's the very best movie, according to the Academy – of uh, 2021. Sure. Um, this is, honestly, I mean, I could see it going a couple different ways. I can mm-hmm. tell you right off the bat. Now, I don't. I, I thought this was a good movie, but I I don't know if I think it deserved a Best Picture nom at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna cross off. Don't look up. Yeah. Uh, if I had to cross off any of those mm-hmm. and I saw don't look mm-hmm. up and um, I enjoyed it. Uh, great cast, uh, good comedy. Although I will say that I feel like, I, I mean, I watched it around Christmas time. So, you know, it's a couple months ago, but I mm-hmm. think like some of the jokes didn't exactly land here and there. Yeah. Um, but, and it was enjoyable, but I was sort of surprised um, when it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, Me too. I thought it was it was fine. I don't know if it was Best Picture good, um, but it I kind of agree with you. It's definitely a bit overrated. Yeah. And um, I th- yeah, sorry to cut you off. Oh, I was just saying, I think maybe this would have worked. There's just so many A-listers in this like yeah. stacked and they're all good actors, but it was hard to see them as some of these people as characters because of how stacked the lineup is. But these Adam McKay movies, he always has huge A-list casts. I think that was one of the yeah. um, flaws of it, but I would like to hear what else you have on this. Sure. Um, so maybe you could help me out with, um, I'll, I'll start off with the ones that I, I, I didn't see. Mm-hmm. So I can maybe offer some sort of comment and then maybe if you wanted to give me some insight on what you thought. And then Great. after that, I'll the ones that I did see, I think I could definitely narrow down at least like two. I'm with it. Um, so the ones I didn't get a chance to see, unfortunately, were uh, Belfast, West Side Story and um, uh, what was it? Uh, King Richard. OK, so with are you saying how I see them. Um yeah, because well, I can I, I understand what each of these stories are, and I could even without seeing them, just from the hype that they were, the hype that they were given, or sort of other people's perception of it. Um, like, I, even when you don't see a movie, you can sort of tell that it's like either good or bad, or you know, right. kind of. Um, like, I got I get an overall vibe that all three of those are 
definitely contenders in a way. Like Belfast seems like a very sweet story about a young boy's upbringing um, and his family uh, during a very tumultuous time in Ireland. Yeah, war torn Northern Ireland in the late sixties. Um, yeah, and then and then King Richard. I mean, a lot of the things I've heard about King Richard is is mostly about Will Smith, but you know the this the rise of Venus and Serena Williams and the, and then and the man who you know sort of fought for them and and believed in them um correct me if i'm wrong on any of these oh yeah no that's definitely a good take on this and i think also with king richard too it just shows how far is how much is it okay to push your kids so much to pretty much abuse but it equals them being one of the greatest at their craft and this king steering is clearly a true story and I think that's a good dynamic. Like how far should a parent push their kids pretty much? That's the biggest theme out of it. And honestly, just with the, how the story flows and was such a powerful Will Smith performance, it is a question worth contemplating, even though morally you should say, no, you shouldn't push your kids this crazy. But is there a way to, I don't know, not be so obsessive about it? It's It's kind of deep in that sense, but. Overall, very entertaining. And at the end of the day, you can tell that it's just a dad who loves his kids so much, just wants what's best. And that's just the character flaw. Like, how do I, you know, get them out of this situation in dangerous Compton and and, uh, you know, lead them to the to the right path. But also on that journey, do you too get a bit a bit over your set head a bit over your head? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, and then West Side was the last one, and obviously, you know, that one's Steven Spielberg tackling a, you know, iconic American musical. Mm-hmm. Um, just from, you know, I've, I've seen clips of a couple of these, and, I mean, it's obviously looks stunning. The, the, the singing is wonderful. The, the choreography is top-notch. Um, and um, I think I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little hesitant. N- not that it wouldn't be good, West Side Story, because I knew it would be good. But just because it is a remake, like, I just overall prefer, like, an or- original story. Or even if it's right. not original, if it's adapted, like, from some sort of book or whatever, that that is the first iteration of it that we're getting. Although, I mean, I would still like, I definitely would like to check it out. And I do think there's like, a, even without seeing it, just knowing how well crafted it is um, from the bits and pieces of it I've seen. And because it's Steven Spielberg, I do think there is a shot for it. Um, and I, I don't know if you agree or not. Actually, so I saw West Side Story. And I really encourage people to watch it. I was, it's probably the most surprising outcome for me in a movie. And I will stand by this. I really think this is just as good, if not better than the original. It's very different than the 61, the original one. And the way Tony Kushner wrote the film or adapted it, I should say, it's, it, it oddly is a completely not, 
I don't know if completely maybe a strong word, but maybe not too. It is a much different movie. That's I'll tell you that it's a much different movie while still being the same. And just the way it's presented and shot and all these up and comers being a star. And I understand yeah. some of the concerns with its lead and Ansel Egger too, which I do think yeah. sadly takes away some of the steam due to some of the allegations made against him. Yeah. Besides that, it's, it's really great. I will go as far to say really great. I don't know if, do you letterbox? Uh, I do. I have a letterbox. I, I think I, we might follow each other. Might think that may have, was that brought up the last time? I don't know if we do. No, I, we, I got it. I forget if I got it before or after we had our first chat. Oh, okay. Well, I can add you right at at the end of this, but it's a, it's a five star rating. I gave it four and a half stars, and I stick by it. It was really, really good. It's pretty breathtaking too. And um, besides the concerns I mentioned, it's just really good. I re- I'd love to hear your output. Uh, available on HBO Max and Disney Plus right now. It's it's really good. I have to say that. Yeah, I do. I, I definitely will be checking it out um, when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in regards to the other movies on this list. Oh, wait, Chris, can I just, it, before you get yeah. into this, one last thing I forgot to say, sure. one thing with Belfast, you have Jamie Duran in it, who played Christian Grey and yeah. was very bad in it acting wise. But this, he almost stole the show. This is like, so this is what happens when you have really good direction and great writing. And it shows that he actually is a very talented actor from what I saw. I want to oh, point that out. Chelsea, Jamie Duran, Christian Gray, he's got something. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, not to dwell on that, but like, yeah, it's, I feel like some, this, um, you know, a, a specific piece can, can bring out um, the best in, in actors and like, yeah. You know, I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey took a lot of shit. Mm. It's like, I mean, and I think it kind of deserves it. Yeah. It was. But, but like, because it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's like adult fiction. It's based off adult fiction. And like, it's not the it's not the best. It's not helmed to the best of its ability. Or, yeah, it's it's pretty and, silly when you really look yeah, at it. You really like sit down and analyze it. But um but yeah, like act, you know, actors are more than like, or they can be more than like the worst thing you've seen them in. Like they're, like even if you didn't like them in one thing, maybe something went into that that, you know, sort of influenced that performance. And whether it be the writing, the directing, um, or maybe they're just actually bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But I think, in, but I think in a lot of actors' cases, it's like if you see them in something that you didn't like, there's a good chance that maybe something was going on behind the scenes, or maybe it was just, you know. And then you know, you if you, you jump into something else, and you're like, wow, they were amazing in that. It's like maybe there was just more passion there, but for, yeah. for from everyone involved, you know. Oh, totally agree, and it just shows. I think it just shows how important good writing is. And if you have the talent, you'll be able to pull it off. So what were your other comments regarding the best picture nominees? Um, so, okay. So I saw the rest of these. Um, can honestly say I, I enjoyed all of them mm-hmm. um, in some fashion. Um, 
it's hard. It, it's like, I feel like I have ones that I, I want to win. And then there's ones that I think probably might take it. Okay. What, what are the ones you want to win and ones that you think you think will win? Um, so, I mean, the, I honestly, my top pick, I think is Coda. Yeah. Actually, that was going to be mine too. Like, I think that sh- I, I would like that to win. And I think it could because it, it did. I believe it won Producers it Guild. Award? Yeah. Well, I think that and it also won Producers Guild. And the way for those who don't know, the same voters, the academies, they're voted on based on your profession. Producers do best picture, actors do actors directors do directors and so on and so forth so it sometimes they parallel not every time but like if they win the producers guild they're usually the same voters unless something changed so we'll put that out there but yes you were saying they did win sag for best cast i believe yeah and then the producers guild they took the best picture cool yeah so i mean i just i it was funny i i watched that I watched that movie not in the best setting for it. I was on a plane. <laughs> I was just, I, they had, there was no TVs on the plane, but they had like movies that you could like get on your phone and Coda was on there. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is nominated. Like I should watch this. And I was almost turned off by it because of just, I didn't feel like watching on my phone, but I got so engrossed in it. Like, yeah, like, how about that? That I was, I, I watched the entire thing on my flight to the point where the flight landed, I saw some time left and I was like, please like, don't let the Wi-Fi go out. Cause like, <laughs> I want to finish this. Um, I did. Yeah. I thought it was just a very like simple, like simple, beautiful story about like trying to, you know, be loyal to your family while also trying to like, spread your wings and like get out there and like pursue undiscovered passions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the cast was just, I, it, it was a very, it was a very, very moving heartfelt uh, piece. Um, I, I highly recommend it to, to everyone. Oh, absolutely. This was by far my favorite and the film I think ultimately deserves the best picture. And <clears throat> And for just for those who don't know, it's 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 based on a girl who lives in Massachusetts who and CODA stands for child of deaf adults. And she's the only hearing she's the only one in her family can actually hear both their parents are deaf and older brother. At the same time, she's trying to go to Berkeley School of Music, pursuing that career. And one of the ironies is their parents literally don't understand and they can't hear her talents and why she get to go to college. We see how that all unfolds. And yeah, it was very movie. The way I saw it, it's keeping my list of best pictures to keep up with. It was just a Friday night after work. I didn't have any plans. I, I'll put this on. I forgot. I forgot. I had Apple plus. They charged me my five ninety nine. Might as well take advantage of it. And I was very, very, mo- very moving. Uh, very emotional at times. Very funny. Very, very funny. Oh, very funny. And I think it's just a nice family movie that that could capture any audience in a nice. It's, I think it's only about like only ninety minutes or like a hundred minutes, so it's easy. Yeah. You can bang it out. And 
get some real legitimate stars out of it. And I think there's no reason why um, it shouldn't get this praise and be, be awesome to see. And, you know, a movie set mostly shot in American sign language is really cool, a really cool aspect. And it's not a cliche crutch of the film. Like, Oh, look at us. We're, a, we, we're hearing impaired feel yeah. bad. It's not like that. It shows that they're just regular people. Like one of the best scenes is, is um when the when she hears it's not a major spoiler but when she hears her parents having sex yeah. the point of it is you know deaf people have sex too like anyone else yeah. and they're passionate their love and that's like a just an easy simple scene that shows how like they're everyone else and you don't have to make it so specific and and you feel it you just it's just part of life and I think that's a, a huge plus to the writer and director for that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like they don't make it. They obviously the proper people were helming this. Mm-hmm. They don't. They never make it like a gimmick or like a oh, like this. These are wait. They don't. They 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 focus on on deafness, but they don't. They never. There's there's at no point are they with sort of mocking it or yeah as you said it's just a it's just a story that um that involves deaf people and it's um yeah just it's made out to be like any other family it's it's just yeah they just have a different human experience than those who hear and i think that's easily apparent without being corny about it yes so with that, so you and I both are team Coda for this. Yes. But regarding the other best pictures, too, you mentioned there were some you liked and some um, you might see winning. Would you, can you elaborate a little more on those and on the other yeah, noms? Sure. Um, I mean, in regards to uh, – I mean, before I get into that, I think if I'm talking about the ones that I didn't see, I could see um, – mm. I honestly could see all three of them potentially doing it more so West Side Story, I think, just because of the name behind it and the and the big sort of fanfare of it all. Yeah. Um, and with the fact that it's rare that you can – a remake is better than its original. I really – I can't think of any examples, at least off the top of my head. And I yeah. think that's a, that's a feat worth um, worth pointing out. Yeah. Um, and then in regards to the other ones, um, like, I feel like each of these movies on this list, like there's something about it that makes them like best picture, um, worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm talking about what I truly think could win, um, I feel like the biggest one other than Coda for me, at least is power the dog. Mm-hmm. Just because of I know the director Jane Champion. Yep. Um, there's a lot of hype behind her making this movie. I feel like um, I, I I thought it was very well done. I thought it was a very slow. It was slow in a good way to, to where I felt like they were fully building this 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 sort of. Uh, worlds that they threw us in mm-hmm. um 
thought the performances were great. I like how they broke up this the the acts in a chat or not acts, but they broke up the story in a chapters. Um, and it, it just it, it seems like a movie that would garner um, best picture praise as well. I could say the same thing about Nightmare Alley. I feel like very you know completely different story, but very big on like immersing you in the atmosphere. Um, and I mean, both, both of those movies, once again, have very, very talented casts. Um, and, uh, I'm interested, it's just interesting to think about like, what's, what would be going through the heads of the Academy, uh, or the voters, um, like what, what spoke to them this year, I guess, um, and I mean, all these stories are so different that it's it's sort of, it's a kind of a little bit of a toss up. I feel like. Yeah, I think you make some fair points with those. Uh, for me, though, Power of the Dog was good. It was a little bit too slow for me, okay. and I just felt I felt I did see something going, and I do think it was just directed very well. It was just for me personally, it's a little slow. Um, it was a point where sometimes I was bored and almost lost interest, even though the thing is there was a twist ending that I won't. Um, yeah, well, I guess I whoops, um, but it it, it it ends a little differently than you expect. And I think that yeah. it's almost a saving grace for it. And if that if the ending didn't happen, I might I might go as far to say just didn't like it. But I think um, for me, and I understand where people are coming from with it, especially the performances. I just for I just wasn't feeling it as I did for the others. But Nightmare Alley was also really good, and that's also a remake from early more from the late forties. Yeah. It was cool seeing Bradley Cooper again and Guillermo del Toro switching it up, and I just loved me a, a good old school uh, neo noir mystery uh, uh, added a little more. Yeah, no, that was I, I really enjoyed the vibe of of Nightmare Alley a lot. Um, in regards to the three that we haven't talked about, um, uh, I think there's all each of these have qualities that could make it the winner. Um, Wickerish Pizza was uh, very sweet uh, slice of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't exactly follow you know, a through line of a plot, which I think would maybe turn some people away. I don't, I personally don't mind. I, I like watching sort of reminds me of once upon a time in Hollywood in a sense where it's, it's, you know, obviously completely different movies, but you, you sort of get these good characters and good dialogue and you just see all the shenanigans and. and right. And, and the setting almost speaks for itself. Yeah, and it's so well written that I I found myself fully engaged. Whether it will win Best Picture, I don't know, with with Licorice Pizza. I I would be excited if it did, but I I don't know if it will. Um, And then in regard, I mean... uh, I mean, Dune was a big spectacle of last year. I know right. a, a, a very um, um, people were definitely talking about it. Um, I mean, another absolutely insane cast and a exceptional director uh, in uh, Denis Villeneuve. 
Um, I'm a big fan of his. Oh yeah. Um, Dune. I, I mean, I, I, I really had a blast. It, I, I felt like I was, you know, fully on Arrakis and they did a nice job of building that, that world. Um, it, it did feel like my biggest thing with Dune. I love the performances. I enjoyed the story. I was unfamiliar with the book. I, I've never read the book. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it, it did feel like a lot of um, lead up to a sequel. Like once it ended, it felt like a big like lead up to a sequel, which is fine. Um, and I don't know if that will affect its chances uh, this Sunday, but um, I think overall um, I really liked it. And but I think the second one will add a lot more and maybe and because it's a sequel and because it's because it seems like they're only going to do a part two, it might be a story that sort of stands on its own a little more. Um that doesn't feel like it needs to set up a, a sequel because I don't think there's going to be one after that. No, yeah, I think the book's like the original book. It's based on. I have it right here, like a f- nice big four hundred twelve page novel, which is a lot for a novel, at least. And yeah, I, I know like the back the back story is like they used to think this was an almost unadaptable book. The film, I know they did one a movie in the eighties. It has more of a cult following, but not the critical claim it was looking for. Yeah, and that's one that I'm I'm a bit bummed out that I didn't see in the theater, but it was yeah. really really intriguing and especially visually. And also just back to Lilicorous Pizza, I felt I enjoyed that PTA Anderson. You know anyone who's a real film buff loves their Paul Thomas Anderson. They always have a take on him and yeah. <laughs> Qualcomm waiting to see him get recognized via the Academy. Now I do think there are other better PTA movies out there, but this was um, just sweet and well, it's not nostalgic for me because I wasn't in the seven born in the seventies, but yeah. I fig I felt like I was in that world easily and. And it would be nice to see him get recognized if, if that's the one. If even if it's that cliched Oscar, you know, this is your Oscar for just a great body of work for so many years. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's that. It, it would. I would. I would fully accept that too. I. I think there is a lot to to love about it. So, if it did win, I would. I would. Taking licorice pizza with open arms. Yes, yes, um, yes. And then finally, I think the only one we haven't touched on is uh, Drive My Car. Yes. Um, very, very um, deep and mm-hmm. sort of felt like a meditation on like just a bunch of different things on like grief, loss, um what happens when you have a lot of time to think about stuff? Yeah, like <laughs> trying to like pull together um like the broken pieces of yourself. Like it was very like very like melancholic too. Yeah, it's very somber as well. Yeah, it was very like it's the the, the, the drive my cars there I think drive my car was special because and I think this goes for a lot of the movies in this category. You sort of feel like a fly on the wall, just like watching like 
like just legitimate conversations of real people happening. Um, and I think that's a testament towards the, you know, the performances and the directing and all that. Um, I thought all of the performances in Drive My Car were very, very beautiful and, 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 and they really captured like the longing of trying to accept, you know, the, the, the hardships that they've gone in, in their lives. Each character had, you know, sort of their own, you know, they each had to deal with their past and in a different, you know, in different ways. And it, it, by the time we got to the end, it felt very cathartic in a sense. Like we've, you know, sort of been on a journey with these characters, just trying to like get by, figure themselves out. And uh, I think they help each other through it, especially, you know, the, the, the main, like the, the, the actor slash director of uncle Vanya, who's our lead uh, and his driver. Um, And um, just like trying to let go. And, but at the same time, you know, remembering like, you know, letting go, but also trying not to forget. Yes. And like we're themes of, of the, of the piece as a whole. For sure. Now that definitely talk about slow burns. It's just about three hour movie. Yeah. I think this is a movie you really can enjoy if you enjoy dialogue and acting. And this is a movie from Japan. So it is completely in Japanese. But the subtitles Korean or I believe so. Um, right here, I have it right here. Yes, it's it's from Japan. Oh, okay. Cool. So, anyways, but regardless, I think this movie, anybody who's gone through a rough time can really understand what this guy's going through, and then uh the companion in it as well. And I mean, there's like just even just some good metaphors in it. And there's a lot to take in. It's really well shot. Even just some of these highway shots of these yeah. great plains of Japan. It's, it's quite beautiful. And I understand for those who don't have the patience, that sucks, but you're missing out on a movie that we all just want to make sense of when things that don't, we can't control and go our way. Like sadly, whether we lose someone important in our lives, I think that that can help um, ease things. And that's, what's good about movies that help. They help, give examples of the world to understand that we're not alone and we all have these type of feelings. So I think that's the best praise we could give for drive my car, but yeah, we pretty much gave a good perspective on these nominations. We're yeah. both for team Coda with this and yeah. let's hope we're right. Yeah, definitely full. Uh, I would, yeah, I would definitely put all my, my eggs in the Coda basket. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think a bunch of these are worthy of of the of the top prize and i and i'm i'm excited to see how it pans out yeah you wouldn't exactly throw a fit if uh this didn't uh wound up working out (laughs) if 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 a certain one of these movies won well i feel like that is the case some years uh but not oh yeah not this year not at all not at all one bit so i'm just regarding this are there any movies that you feel were snubbed out of the best picture category. Like for me, Spider-Man uh, far from home. Why'd you snub it? 
Mm-hmm. You know, I a lot of people started talking about that, and I mean, I can see it, but I also I feel like I guess I never let myself get too attached to that idea because I know. Yes, it, it, I mean, it, I know we have we have some Marvel uh, nominations uh, in uh, special effects mm-hmm. or uh, or visual effects, I should say. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't let my. I mean. I love No Way Home. I saw it three times. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. No Way Home. Did I say Far From? My bad. No Way uh, Home. I mean, it's like, it sounds basically the same. Um, yeah, right. But um, but I, um, I, I sort of figured we weren't going to get that. And honestly, I'm not mad about it. Um, it's fine. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a blast. Um, I don't know how it, it would, you know, how it would be up against the movies we have. It's very different, obviously, but yeah. And yeah, part of me was kind of kidding with that, but no, I mean, not necessarily because it is a good movie. Um, and like I said, we see before black Panther got a best picture nomination and yeah. that's it so far. But, <laughs> um, I, that was just always just simply the most fun I had in a theater all year. And I will oh, go man. really far with no way home even just give it, I mean, you could give, you could just throw nominations there. I think one problem is not everybody's a huge film buff like you and me, Chris, <laughs> and not a lot of people, oh, I should say that not everyone has seen most of these films or even heard of it. But yeah. if you throw a Spider-Man, no, you know, Spider-Man, no way home or a huge mainstream film, you have more people give a reason to care about the Oscars and stuff. That's just how it is every year. Yeah. And uh, too bad they didn't have Space Jam, a new legacy, get a best picture <laughs> nomination <laughs> with LeBron. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel like all the movies that were involved um, deserve deserve the praise i there was a couple a24 had a couple other movies that i feel like could have i would have appreciated if they included a bit more oh yeah the um blanking i just saw i I shouldn't be blanking because i saw it last week with shane black um shane black not shane black uh i'll have it right here Oh, is it uh, what Red Rocket? Maybe? Yeah, Red Rocket. Yeah, there's that 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 one. That one's more. Um, I think was a snub, and I mean we can get into this when we tackle the category. But I'll I guess touch on it in a second. Is I feel like Simon Rex definitely should have been nominated for uh, what is it? We would, I guess it would be leading role, but I guess yeah, for definitely best actor nomination he was uh, snubbed out of that. I agree with you. And then the director I was thinking of was Sean Baker. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, when I look at actor in a leading role, it's like this: the talent is sort of off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. I mean, but so, I think Simon Rex could, you know, I think he could hold his own with that performance. Yeah, and it's a good way to show the... It's pretty much about it's about a porn star comes home and nobody cares. But I think it shows that it's just a relatable story about coming home and getting ready for the next chapter and coming home and understanding there aren't there are rights uh, to be the wrongs to be right and stuff like that. I think that should have got more love, like you said. 
just like trying to I'm still on Red Rocket but like the idea of coming home and like you're sort of after your peak and like trying to remain relevant and like trying to make steps towards like getting back to like your like glory days and um yeah it it, it was an interesting story Sean Baker has a cool uh gives us offers us a cool lens into like um I feel like stories that we don't often see he did mm-hmm. similar stuff with like Florida project and stuff like that. Yeah. And also Tangerine, which was one of my favorite movies uh, that I saw in the pandemic. This, this guy clearly knows what he's doing. And then I mean, anything, most of the time, anything a 24 brings out, it's gold. Yeah. And also shouts to it being a New York city, uh, East coast, uh, um, studio as well so shows that oh, yeah. it doesn't have to 100% be Hollywood for that and yeah I think that's also a missed opportunity in uh, terms of best picture noms uh-huh. cool cool so I wanted to transition to the director category sure. and with the five nominations whether Jan Champion heavy favorite Paul Thomas Anderson with Licorice Pizza. The champion directs The Power of the Dog. You have, I'm going to try this. I apologize in advance. Rizuki Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Again, I try again. Rizuki Hamaguchi. And then we have Kenneth Branagh Belfast and Steven Spielberg for the 20th time, probably with the West Side Story. Um, <laughs> With these nominations, Chris, who do you think is going to be winning the best director nomination? A nod. Um, a lot of these categories are so hard. I could see it going so many different ways. Yeah. But I, at least on my sheet, just based off of, I don't even really know what I'm basing this off of, but I feel like, uh, West Side Story might take that. It's just a feeling. Yeah, I, I actually think um on the same path with you. First of all, again, to pull off the feet to make a movie that came out 60 years ago as relevant as ever, you have you also have the movie looking absolutely spectacular. You, the, just the shots of bringing emotions, what Spielberg was able to get out of his actors. Yeah, uh, has to be given credit to. And as I mentioned, for a remake that is slightly different than the original, the way it flows together and being so entertaining makes this almost two and a half hour uh, picture go by really quick. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think I also included uh, Jane Champion mm-hmm. because just because I feel like she did a really nice job. Uh, with Power of the Dog, um, seemed like as well as like what you just said, she got a lot out of the performances. She really knew how to. Um, like I'm trying to think of specific things, like some of those great plane shots they get out of, and bringing that nice western feel. Yeah, um, just like shots of the mountains and. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I felt like it, it it seemed very cohesive. Um, right. I was like, well, it's always good when you're able to understand, <laughs> you know, 
the the through line of a of a story and uh i feel like she got a lot of great uh performances out of her uh her team and uh overall it's just a very beautiful looking movie you can tell a lot of thought went into you know each and every shot all right Great, great work there. Now, if we go to the acting categories, we'll start with the male actors. So with Best Actor here, you have Javier Bardem and Rick being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch with The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith and King Richard, and Denzel Washington with The Tragedy of Macbeth. You have quite a group of legendary male actors right here. Chris... I know this is going to be hard, but if you had to pick, who do you want to win? Or who do you see winning? Or both? I have, yeah, I have both. Um, honestly, I got to, for who I want to win, I got to go with my boy, Andrew. Um, Andrew Garfield. What a year he's had. Yeah. Tell me about why do you think the British, the British, uh, the British uh, actor can win this act, this Oscar? I I mean I I think he's su- such a talented dude. Um, he just very he I feel like he just fully embodied. I mean all of these all of these actors did, but I just felt his performance was very electric and like it was very. He, he was just he got so into it. Um, you could tell he's very passionate about this. And I mean, you could see it in interviews and whatnot. And he just, yeah, number one, wonderful voice. Didn't know, had no idea he could even sing until I knew he was doing this movie. Um, and he, I, he just brought a, a lot of emotional depth, depth to Jonathan, to, to a, a person who existed. You could tell he, you know, did his research and he paid, I think, a wonderful tribute to, uh, you know, a composer who who was just gone way too soon. Um, and uh, you know, he handled the music well. He he was able to transition from comedy to 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 more of the dramatic elements with, with ease. Um, he just he just each frame he was just exciting to watch he's always exciting to watch and i don't i don't know if he'll take it but i would love to i would love it if he did um i'd be very happy um and then i i I also said um that i thought it seems like at least from what i've heard the front runner is will smith so i feel like he there's a high chance he takes that yes first I love Tick, Tick, Boom a lot. That yeah, turned into probably my favorite movie musical of all time right now. No recency bias aside. And I also think one, Lin-Manuel Miranda was snubbed as a Best Director nomination for Tick, Tick, Boom as well. And this this person who allegedly had no training whatsoever in singing, who pulled out the pipes for such a fun awesome movie that just with music that slaps that he continues to contribute to this man this is his second nomination and if not for this we will see this guy hold a gold statue sooner or later yeah and if this is the one i would love that too but i also think 
with Will Smith, where in a character who put another played another real person, where he you completely, where he completely get lost in the character. It deserves a lot of praise about a hard nosed dad that has a lot of emotions and one that really isn't talked about as much. And I understand, you know, it's a complex character, but a classic one. Denzel Washington is Lord Macbeth. Even though that movie didn't get a lot of love from the Academy, I think they at least did it justice by giving a Denzel nod. And even with that old English, that can be quite complicated to follow sometimes. His physical presence, the way he had his body language throughout, you could see this scumbag be too power hungry. And I think that should be um, noted. But throughout the other nominations, and you can make an argument for Benedict Cumberbatch as well, playing a very vulnerable, naive cowboy who's clearly confused on what he likes and dislikes. And I don't, I really didn't understand Javier Bardem's nomination, to be honest with you. I do. And I did like being the Ricardos, but best actor nod. Nah, 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 nah. So with that, I actually say, um, Will Smith is going to, have an Oscar to his name, which is really cool. Yeah. Now, if- I, yeah, it's seen. I that is my prediction of who will win. Um, and that would be cool. Um, I Will Smith is is a great actor. He seems like a cool dude. It's for um, real. Um, uh, just to touch on Denzel too, I think there's definitely. Um, you know, I think you know he's obviously. Definitely, I think in the running as well. Um, I, I I really enjoyed Tragedy of Macbeth, and yeah, even even with the the heightened text, um, I feel like he was able to accomplish. Um, he was he was able to communicate language that's hard to understand in a in a way that you could you could feel his just his overall tone by just the way he was able to, you know, the way he moved around and the way he spoke, you could even, even if you don't understand every single word, you can, you can grasp the overall idea. And I think he communicated that very well. And um, I think he definitely deserves to be there. I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is uh, another Denzel win uh, this year. Okay. I hear that. A great points for sure. Now we're going to the female acting categories, the best actress, whether it's Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Not a good movie, in my opinion, but <laughs> the uh, performances from him and Andrew Garfield again yeah. were um, were apparent. Olivia Coleman continuing her streak of great work, whether TV or the screen, this time in The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz and Parallel Mothers. I can't say I saw that, but uh, I like Penelope Cruz. Yeah. But I also saw um, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos as Lucille Ball and Kristen Stewart as in Spencer as Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Where Who is going to be the female actor with the bragging rights of winning a Best Actress, Chris? I was a little bad with this one. I, I didn't get a chance to watch any of these. That's okay. Mainly because I didn't really know where to find them at the time. And then I think as of recently, they got dropped on some streaming services. Right. Can I may I make a suggested 
one awesome app if you're looking to find anything if, that you may or may not know about yet. It's called Just Watch. Mm. And they should definitely pay advertising out of this. Um, just kidding. Uh, or not really. But it's just pretty much a Google search for any movie or TV show you want. I'm showing it on the screen now. You can pick anything. If we were going to look for um, Spencer, for instance, I go do 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 Spencer. And then bam, it has it for me right here. Available on Hulu and Disney Plus, the or I should say it's the part of the Disney Plus bundle, but it's specifically on Hulu. Oh, wow. And then they also have renting options if you want to pay $3.99 through your Apple TV, or if you go to the Red Box, if there's even still those <laughs> they're still yeah. out there, you could go there. But yeah, if you ever um I bring it up only if you're ever lost in trying to figure out where a movie or a TV shows um playing, you just type it in right there and then everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I keep, I guess just, I mean, I'm familiar with all of these mm-hmm. actresses. I think they're all wonderful. Yeah. What is your gut telling you, Chris? Uh, my guts tell me that I want, my guts tell me that I want Kristen Stewart to win. Cause I just feel like she's taken a lot of shit. And from what I've heard, she's very good. Yeah. She, she is a very, very good actor who's evolved from a young child star to to this. And th- she's more than just Twilight. I'll tell yeah. you that. Um, so I, I I mean, I could see her taking it, but I could I, I think I also put that uh, Nicole Kidman might take it because you can't go. You can't go wrong with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I think it is a battle between those two. One, the vet. The one and the vet and Nicole Kimmon, who has one before, and then Kristen Stewart, who was very, very mesmerizing. You really felt for Princess Diana after seeing her performance in it. And I guess if I had to flip a coin, I would also have to put Kristen Stewart because she played somebody who was just so went through so much. And also Lucy Ball did as well and, you know, kicked ass at the end. But I think for somebody who really portrayed that vulnerability i think that should be recognized yeah and yeah so with the supporting actor category though we have siren hens i again i apologize if i messed that up siren hens okay it's oh it's actually kiaren haynes kiaren i don't know i I will I will be more prepared the next time. Can he win in Belfast or Tony Kutzer in Coda? Jesse Plemons in Power of the Dog? J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos? Cody Smith McPhee in The Power of the Dog as well. And for me, I really think Tony Kutzer in Coda should be recognized for his work playing the father of the singer and coda is also a deaf actor maybe he could be the sec the first ever male deaf actor to win an oscar his um his co-lead and i should not forget this name but i do marley matlin right yes she won back in the 80s um for kiss of the spider woman i think Uh, and we have this guy who plays a dad who's, again, very, very funny in it. Uh, 
a character who brings a lot of emotion out of me and somebody who's just trying to understand what's going on. And what's cool is if you've seen the show, I do references during my openings and I picked the scene between him and his daughter, a scene between him and his daughter for this one. I would be a major spoiler if I explained it, but I just picked a scene between those two. And I think the the guy was, was very, very nuanced in his role and something I haven't seen much of. And I think it'd be an awesome, awesome recognition for this guy's hard work. If he pulls it off. I agree. Um, it was, it was, it was just a very, like you said, nuanced performance that ebbed and flowed and felt, it felt like a fully realized person. Like if it didn't feel like a character and that's all you always love to see that, um, he tackled the comedy super well. And then when it was time to sort of, you know, be there for his family or be there for his daughter, like you, those, those emotional moments really hit hard. Um, because you, you fully felt that this was a family, like a real family that cared for each other and had been through a lot. Um, just trying to, you know, survive and get by and keep on living. And, uh, I, I do think he deserves, I, I, I would go with him. I think a second place for me would probably be Cody Smith McPhee. Cause I mm. thought he, his, his performance is very, very understated, but also very powerful. It's a, it's a very timid. He played a very timid character that was also a bit more powerful than I think you would realize. I think he held power within himself, the power mm. of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, I thought it was a very, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I, I really enjoy performances that are very, you know, toned back, but you get a lot from it. Like you can just tell by their eyes and their face that you can, you can, you can sort of get in their head a little bit, see how they're feeling. Um, and I thought he did a really nice job with that. Um, uh, yeah, those are probably the two for me. I can't comment on JK Simmons and Kiaran, uh, Hines or Hins, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Plemons. I, I'm a big fan of Jesse Plemons, but it's I don't I don't know if this is his year for for that. Yeah, I didn't though very good. I didn't feel I was watching a best supporting actor performance, yeah. but he should win soon. From the guy who was the bully and like Mike to this, perfect <laughs> <laughs> guy. Isn't that yeah. <laughs> all right? And I actually did like J.K. Simmons. Well, well, J.K. Simmons, too, he's, he's very, very important in being the Ricardos. But also, I didn't expect a uh, best actor or best supporting actor nom in that sense. But who knows? Maybe he can get it again. And let's just go, Tony. For the best supporting actress category, whether it's Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Dame Judy Dents still at it with Belfast. Kirsten Dunst with the power of the dog. And okay, I'll try this again. A new. Oh boy. A Yunjinu. We're going to go with Miss Ellis on this. I apologize. And um, trust me, this will never happen again. Messing the names of this. 
<laughs> but we have her and King Richard and uh, blame Brandy Price. For me, I think it's Ariana DeBose playing Anita. Obviously, an iconic role. Rita Moreno played Anita, won an Oscar as well. But she added a whole new twist, playing the mother figure and somebody who's ready to um, take feminism in a whole powerful, convincing manner, especially with characters that are very masculine. And obviously she knows how to sing and dance, which is uh, no question what you need if you're going to play Anita. But I think her, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost wholesomeness that she brought to the role. Mm -hmm. And I think she just played an immigrant very, very well. Um, And especially an immigrant in, you know, the late 1950s from Puerto Rico. I think she helped us understand their world a little more with that. So please, Kakani, provide Mr. Bose with an Academy Award. (laughs) What do you say? Um, Honestly, my gut, even, even though I haven't seen it, um, is telling me Ariana DeBose as well. Although I could see, I mean, I could see, I mean, all, these are all very talented act actresses. Um, obviously like you can't go wrong with Judy Dench. Mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst honestly gave me a performance I wasn't expecting from her. I, I mean, I know she's very talented, but she really sort of blew me away. Um, in Power of the Dog. Um, yes, you know, she wasn't. In- trying to adapt to this new environment where she's definitely not welcome, uh, especially in the eyes of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. <laughs> um, and, and her trying to tackle, you know, being there for her son while also getting sucked into, you know, alcoholism and just a tiny bit of a spoiler but not really but but yeah trying to balance that while also caring for the people she loves is uh i thought she really balanced all of that really well it fully it fully came across on screen oh yes but i will, but I will go with ariana debose because it i i don't know it's it's sort of just a gut feeling like i've had for some of the other ones hey you gotta go with your gut most of the time i'll never forget <laughs> i was taking an some standardized test in uh, my junior year, and I got the answer right. But my ass, the quite I was, I asked, I pretty much was just implying that I get it right. And the teacher was a co teacher in this class, and she said, Go with your gut. And I got that question right. Mm. And I only got to be on the test, but I learned <laughs> go with your gut all the time. And maybe that's the case here. Yeah. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up the acting categories and one I always look forward to is the writing and we'll first go with original screenplay which includes Belfast Don't Look Up King Richard, Licorice Pizza The Worst Person in the World which was awesome Did were you able to see all of these? Did you get a chance to see all of them? Uh, Well I still didn't I didn't see the ones we've already talked about and then Worst Person in the World is on my list I have not gone around to it that movie is awesome. That was really, really great. I rented that. Um, this, I, which country did that? It's another international flick. It came from 
Norway. It's a Norwegian film. So uh, I've really wanted to check that one out. Yeah, it's like uh, for anybody who's been online dating, it's it, it, this has nothing to do with online dating, but it's definitely about relationships. They're figuring out stuff. That's that's what I got a kick out of watching it. But anyways, with the best original screenplay, where do you see this going? Honestly, I mean, this is I'd like to see PTA win this one, I think. Yes, I think yeah. he has for all the nominations. This is a best fit for him to actually win his first Oscar, though. I did really like the worst person in the world. I think the two nominees is skill Vogt or Jochim Trier. I think they they might have a good shot with winning it too, and uh, maybe even Kevin Branagh, who's also been in Hollywood forever, and yeah. maybe this can be a way to recognize his good work. That'd be good. I definitely don't want Don't Look Up. I think I'd be disappointed if if that one for a movie where I felt the screenplay was all over the place, yeah. though it had one of my favorite Leo lines ever: "The president is fucking lying." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anything but uh, don't look up, I'd be fine with. But please give it to PTA. Any other comments regarding this category? No, I don't think so. Now we go to the adapted one with Coda and with Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Which adapted screenplay with all its characterization and plots and dialogue and all of that? Who do you think? man or woman will win this amazing adapted screenplay Oscar. Um, I mean, my gut wants to say that just based off the sheer scale of it, um, and because it, it, it juggles so many different characters and so many different landscapes, I, I want to go with Dune just because I know how, thick the subject matter is and i think Mm -hmm. they did a a really nice job of you know as i said i've never read it but they did a nice job of what i assume would be condensing the book to its most important parts and giving us a first movie that really sets up a a really fascinating world that will that will not, not only be a fun story in and of itself but also get audiences excited for what's to come um, and um, I think I think Villeneuve and uh, the rest of the team did a nice job of of uh, incorporating all the all the all the most important bits and uh, making it coherent and fluid. I think you hit the nail on the head for a movie that really is so dense and sometimes overwhelming a screenplay that made characters seem so cool, made things and sequences so badass. Dune winning a best adapted screenplay is definitely on the horizon, but I'm going to take it a little different direction for my view. I think Coda with again, that successfully made characters that are so relatable that made the um, dialogue and situation so funny and heartfelt with just some awesome characters, obviously the family, the um, both the mentor and choir teacher for anybody who was, who's ever had a choir teacher in their life, like who really pushes you hard. That's who 
<laughs> that character is played by the great Eugenio Derbez. Uh, oh, man. I promise, again, the name pronunciation is going to get better. But anyways, I think Coda was able to be the most relevant in this category to win it. And I hope Cian Hitter wins that award. Yeah. Cool. So just a couple more things before we wrap it up for the animated feature. You had Encant- Enchanto and Flea, Luca, Mitchells versus the Machines. And you had Raya and the Last Dragon. A mostly you have mostly family friendly films. Got some great Disney flicks in there and Sony, which is cool. I don't know if you happen to see Flea. Uh, did you happen to see Flea by any chance? I did it. Flea is really awesome. It's a another international film. It's a Danish one specifically, but a star. It's it's about a man named Eamon Nawabi who shares a hidden past fleeing his country for the first time. So it's a refugee story that is beautifully animated and really heartfelt. And I think that should actually win the best animated films though. Encanto was really fun. And uh, Luca, I did not see the Mitchells versus the machines. I missed out on that and Ray and the last drag, but if it were up to me, let's go with flea. Cool. I, um, I actually, I, I could have done such a better job of seeing some of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> time just got away from me. Uh-oh. Hey, it's all good. That's why we're here. We're here for predictions and to show our love and just talk movies. Cool. Um, I did. I, I really enjoyed Luca a lot. I thought mm-hmm. it was beautifully animated. I loved the, the Porto Rosso, uh, Italy that they gave up, you know, the, yes, that they gave it. it looked, I mean, it looked so crisp and, and beautiful. I love um, how Disney animated movies. Now they're picking a country and we're going to make a movie based on that culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was very sweet. I really bought into the friendship between Luca and uh, Alberto. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked all of the other supporting cast and had a really fun villain. Um, it really, really sweet story. Um, uh, I've, I, I heard Mitchell's in the Machines was a was a blast, so I definitely would like to check that out. Uh, same thing with Rye and the Last Dragon. I still need to see Encanto, and I, but I know it's you know it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, I've heard great things about it. I've heard that song on TikTok about ten thousand times. Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Good show in the and, Colombian cultures I, too. And I can and I can I can guess without even having seen it that I think Encanto will take take the prize. All right. Great, great work. Now just a couple more categories. We have first the best cinematography for those who don't know. This is awarded for the cinematographer who's in charge of the ultimate look of the film, director of photography. So but from Lens decisions to lighting to all different shots to depth of field. Anything you see on screen in a live action movie, the director and the cinematographer team up to get the overall look of the film. So whether that's Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. If I had to pick, Dune really makes a push with that. And it was shot by Greg Fraser for that. 
Yeah. I mean, you really can make a, a, an argument for anything. You could literally just do a randomizer and who's going to win wins. Yeah. And for me, I would have to go with Jinzu's Kaminsky to win his third best cinematography win with West Side Story. I mean, just so luscious and just yeah. how dark in a place. And like, for those who don't know, West Side Story, where Lincoln Center is, is where West Side Story is originally set. It used to be San Juan. It used to be called San Juan Hill. And it was one of the early gentrification examples of gentrification. It kicked out of Puerto Ricans out, unfortunately, and they made Lincoln Center. But you see this setting under construction and makes it like a legit war zone. And it's just 59th street, West 59th street. And it's, it's, um, or I should say more like West 60th, 60 through 63rd, stuff like that. And I think, um, just the way that's presented is really chilling. It really is like, yo, shit's about to go down here between the sharks and the jets. <laughs> but again, also think Dune makes a push and nightmare alley. I think, uh, is just so with the you know the circus themes and bringing that 40s feel and i love neo-noir films who they don't make as much as they do anymore but that clearly gets that setting correct so if i had to pick uh for for all that at once west side story is the one cool yeah honestly like this honestly i think this is the hardest one for me to pick because as you said there's I think there's an argument for why each of these um, should win. Um, Even not having seen West Side Story, I know just based off of what I have seen that it's vibrant and it's very lush and and, and gorgeous to look at. And I mean, I feel like that could be said about every single one. There's shots in each of these films that are mind-numbingly beautiful to to behold mm-hmm. um and i feel like they the director of photography for each of these films really utilized the the settings and the and their and their locations to the best of their advantage they really they really knew how to get the best out of the landscapes they they were you know given the ones that they had sort of scouted out for what I, or I assume they scattered out during this process. Um, I'm going to, this is really, really hard. Um, I think I'll go with, well, on my sheet, I, I marked down Dune. Okay. Um, I could just cause the, I mean, between the use of, practical and CGI effects and getting them into each of these frames. Um, the way that they were able to use effects to get an overall skate, an overall scope of, you know, these planets that we're going to and whatnot. And just the, the, the grandiose nature of, of these environments. They, I feel like the director of photography really nailed it when, when, uh, and I think um, I think they definitely deserve uh, the to take home the prize for that. All right, this is why I appreciate you, Chris. Really great takes there. I mean, 
again, we can be here for everyone, break down every single category, but I think we do get a gist of what we're feeling here. Is there any other category you do want to make comment towards or any big snub that uh, we may have missed or anything? Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, we definitely talked about, you know, sort of, you know, the more the, the bigger ones, I guess. Right. And I will say one thing, every single person, there's not no category is more important than the other. Everybody deserves praise for what they do, even if we didn't hit their specific categories. But I just want to point that out there. But yeah, I mean, visual effects, I hope Spider-Man No Way Home takes that as a win that it could get an Oscar win or, yeah, you know, if we went cool. with um, hair and makeup, I really like Covey to America. <laughs> I had to pick with all the with, you know, from all the Eddie Murphy transformations alone. It's awesome. And then with costume design, I think Dune definitely should take that or or West Side Story bringing that 50s feel. And in Dune, it was pretty simple yet. Uh, I did have one maybe that that we could talk about one. Of course, one potential snub that tell me about it. Curious about your thoughts on what did you see House of Gucci? I did. Dude, what do, what do we think of the Lady Gaga? Because uh, it was I, it was speculated that she was going to be like a front runner, and then no nomination came as a as a big surprise. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Well, it'll be easy for me to switch it out with Penelope Cruz because I haven't seen Parallel Mothers. But yeah, for somebody who played a very conniving woman in that House of Gucci that was very disgusting, that was very um, that was very conniving and almost uh, like, what's your problem? Yeah, that bad of a a guy, is he manipulated? Maurizio or Adam Driver's character and then sort of you know but but you know at the same time you got to think she has you know she has her own life and she's you know doing these things for a reason she wants to be better and she wants to you know climb the hierarchy of this family so yeah exactly she wanted to she just played a classic gold digger and by the way her character is Patrizia Reggiani and um I think that was definitely unfair. Even though House of Gucci, I felt dragged at points, and um, I, I agree. Uh, the the uh, I could see why it's lack of nominations in general. Though yeah. I think the main cast is good, especially Jared Leto. He, I really liked him, and I like anything Adam Driver does pretty much. But yeah, I do think Lady Gaga was snubbed ultimately. And you know, another snub that I think should be accounted for. You have. Mike Feist, who played Riff in West Side Story, that was the biggest snub. First of all, this guy from Ohio who pulled off such a great New York accent. And, you know, when you play Riff, you play somebody who's an asshole and a villain, and he's the bad devil on the good devil, bad devil side to Tony. And he really, you almost like, man, it's weird that the, the story's not based on you, but you are almost you're stealing the show i really think that i really want to see what this guy does for the rest of his career mike feist like that was a huge snub and maybe i would take him out for jesse plemons 
for, okay. for riff. That's what I would say. Big snub there. And I, and especially Chris, please, when you get the chance to see it on Disney plus or HBO max, please tell me what you think. And especially how riff was, that was my favorite part was riff. I will. Um, it's funny. I actually saw Mike Feist in, um, uh, in Dear Evan Hansen when he was uh, in the Broadway production. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that he's taken on a, a, a huge role in a, in a film directed by one of the greats. Oh yeah. <laughs> this dude was on point and he, like I said, he almost stole the show with it. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, is there, is there anything else we missed here with the, the categories or anything? I mean, I feel like production design, I sort of feel the same way about that as I do with cinematography. Yes, yes. Um, I feel like I could see it going in literally any direction. Yes, um, and then um, the, the categories there are West Side Story, Tra- Tragedy Macbeth, Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, and Dune. And yeah. for me... Um, I would have to go with Nightmare Alley with the production design because yeah. that was a completely different world that with a mix with it almost teaming up going handy with the cinematography makes it almost a world that I want to be in. Yeah. And um, I think for me, Nightmare Alley should win the production design. I would love to hear more on what you think with that category. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I had, I put Nightmare Alley down for costume design as well, just cause it really, it felt like it encapsulated that that 40s vibe that they were going for and i think the production and the set set work uh i sort of feel the same way as i do about the costumes they really immerse you into really they really bring you uh to that time period and um it was you know it was very it was very dark, but not in like a dull way at times. It was, it was gritty, but they, they provided some, you know, some vibrancy. Um, they really, it, the production and, and on all the sets and that, that carnival feel helped make the movie feel uh, fully alive. I felt like. Um, alive. Yeah. That's the best part when we feel alive after watching the movie. <laughs> But as I said, I feel like a lot, all five of those movies um, could 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 end up taking it. Some of these are are really hard to decide. Yeah, like you like you said at the top, this was a great year for movies, and the nominations really make it a tight run for everybody. And on top of that, being all diverse, can't ask for anything better with an Oscar year. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, with that, Chris, we pretty much hit everything we needed to. Yeah. This is why you're incredible at what you do and your great takes. And I appreciate you taking the time. This hour really did flow by. And then we'll check back in on. We're going to record Monday to release on Tuesday and we'll see um, how well we did. And then I will do, uh, you know, Get at me. Get at Chris. We pulled it off. So um, we'll start our road to being the best at picking the Oscars. <laughs> uh, the uh, clairvoyance into uh, the into Oscars future. 
that's what I'm talking about. We're going to be handicappers after this. <laughs> All right, then. But Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Don't forget to follow Chris on again. What's that Instagram? Uh, it's Chris B one one two nine C H R I S B one one two nine. All right. Beautiful. Chris Bailey, you the man. I'll see you in a few days. Enjoy your weekend and keep being the cool dude you are. Thanks, Matt. I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, discussing the results on Monday. It's going to be excellent. All right, Chris, you have a great rest of your night. See you. You too, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Picture this. It is 10 years from now, 2032. The Productive Conversations podcast ultimately with years of hard work, dedication, and resilience with a lot of passion in between, it winds up spinning off into the Productive Media Network, a podcasting network that could compete with Barstool, the Nerdist Podcast, Team Coco's Podcast Network, The Ringer, WFAN Radio, Sirius XM Radio, and it now is a legit network through lots of hard work and determination from so many individuals and collaborators and the productive nation and the fan base that helped grows it. And then eventually we do an Oscar show for the 104th annual Oscars. I hope that someday that I get a podcast about Chris Bailey winning an Oscar. He deserves it. He knows his shit. He knows what he's talking about regarding movies. And I thank him so much for taking the time to talk about this year's Oscar nominees with me. Great job, my friend. I can't wait to talk about you when you get an Oscar. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com then don't forget to check us out in the world of social media on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So where are we going from here? We're back on Tuesday. We're going to talk about, well, the Oscars. We're going to react to Sunday night's event, see who ultimately wins these awards, see how accurate our predictions wound up becoming, and we reflect on what a year of movies it has been. And then on to the next one. We will start our road to the Oscars next year, the 95th Annual Academy Awards. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see Chris Bailey in a couple days, and I can't wait to talk to you in a couple days as well. Uh, We're back on Thursday as well, the 31st of March, and we're going to talk about WrestleMania. That's right, for all you loyal, productive nation followers. We're going to be previewing the biggest wrestling event of the year, a wrestling event that the normal person might even care about. So that's going to be good. I, I... Oscars reaction on Tuesday, and then a WrestleMania prediction on Thursday. Don't forget, I also just said, I I want you to not forget that I'm still paying attention to the March Madness. We had to switch some things, so we couldn't do our scheduled Sweet 16 reaction. But expect, whether it's the Elite Eight or Final Four, that we will be reacting to that. And I'm starting to book some more guests and new guests on the show as well. So this spring thankfully has started off well for this show and let's keep 
hopping on it and growing the show even more. And we'll get excited for what's to come. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I love each and every single one of you. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Have a fun and safe weekend. And let's enjoy the Oscars, everybody. Can't wait to talk to you on Tuesday about it. Peace.